Good evening, beautiful people. Yes, this is the day that the Lord has made and we do rejoice and we are glad in it. You are welcome to yet another episode of, of Time Out with Sarah on your number one online gospel radio, KRH Radio. And yes, I must say and Something you should know too that I am so excited about is that um, KRH Radio has been hitting some really nice milestones these days. We are we are taking the internet by 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 a storm, and God is so so faithful. So I'll, before I continue this beautiful day, I'd like to say a big congratulations. To Olua Drama and the crew, the Lord bless you guys. The Lord bless the work of your hands. And this is just the beginning. Greater strides are yet to be taken. Now, so last week on Time Out with Zara, we looked at what we tagged, something I tagged behind enemy lines. And yes, we looked at the fact that sometimes we are our own enemies. So be careful who you praying out against because you just might be your own worst enemy according to that song by casting crowns today on time out we are going to be considering l'amour yes we are not i am not french <laughs> but I, I i had pondered i just wanted to talk about the love of god today and um I was so moved by a song I listened to that I decided that we should talk about love, but I am, I am, I am just giving it some flavor, some, some French flavor. And so today on Time Out, we talk L'Amour. Now, before we begin, I want to just share some verses in scripture in worship of our Heavenly Father. I, I, I just looked at those verses and I thought we should just read them out loud and just worship our Father through the Psalms. So I'll be reading from Psalm 95 and from Psalm 96. Um, I'm picking from verses 1 to 7 in Psalm 95 and then the whole of 96. So let us worship God. Here it goes. Oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully with psalms to him. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands now Psalm 96 oh sing to the Lord a new song sing to the Lord all the earth sing to the Lord bless his name proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day declare his glory among the nations his wonders among the people for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised he is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are idols but the Lord made the heavens honor and majesty are before him strength and beauty are in his sanctuary 
Give to the Lord, O families of, of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Hmm. Praise ye the Lord. God is just so awesome. God is so wonderful. And today we are looking at his love. If there is any, if there is any definition for love, you know, I've given us over time here, I've given us some descriptions or definitions of what love is. Chief amongst them is the ones found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 4. Now, today we look at what love is from the God perspective, sorry. Um, and in First John 4 verse 8, the, the best definition for love is seen where the Bible says God is love. So if ever you've ever wondered really what is love, forget the Greek descriptions of love. Forget any other description you've ever heard. Just take this and know this. First John 4, 8. The Bible says whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you've ever wondered, what is love? Then here it is. God is love. I remember growing up and I remember listening to this song. We used to have a collection of, of Bible songs that were picked from Bible verses by young children. And it was G-O-D is L-O-V-E. That song has stuck with me. And that is why this memory verse has stuck with me. God is love. Now, I came across... Uh, a quote by Data Data Uchtdorf Data F. Uchtdorf I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing this right and it says though we are incomplete God loves us completely though we are imperfect He loves us perfectly though we may feel lost and without compass God's love encompasses us completely He loves every one of us even those who are flawed rejected awkward sorrowful or broken so if if you are in any of these categories, whether you are flawed, we all are. Whether you feel rejected, whether you are an awkward person, whether you are in sorrow, you are going through a time of sorrow or you've been in sorrow for a while, and whether you are a broken person, God loves you. He loves us completely. He loves us wholesomely. And that is what love is. The Bible tells us that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, neither angels, nor demons, nothing at all can separate us from the love of God. Not the things we've done, not the things we are yet to do. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I, I love to say that his love for me is so wide, I cannot get around it. It is so high, I cannot get over it. And it is so low, I cannot get under it. There is nothing, nothing, please get this. If you do not 
cannot get anything else today. Get this. Nothing can come in between our love. Sorry, God's love for us. And the reason why we love him is because he loves us first. Remember the verses I just read from. The awesome, awesome, awesome God. He loves us just the way we are. He is a mighty, mighty, mighty good God. Now the song that set me off on, on, on this train of thought yeah, today is, is a song by Mercy Chinwe titled Excess Love. And I'm going to be playing it as we go on our first music break. It is Excess Love by Mercy Chinwe. Jesus, your love is too much. Love me too much, oh, 
for us. God's love is excess love and that is what Mercy Chingwe has been telling us. If you are just joining us, this is Time Out with Zara on your number one online gospel radio, KRA Radio. And it is a good day and today we are looking at something I have tagged L'Amour. Yes, don't worry, like I said earlier, I am not French too, but it just sounds... Oh, love in French just sounds like um, something out of this world. <laughs> Anyways, we are welcome back from that music break. And um, we've been talking about love, more specifically God's love. And as the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, 
God is love. G-O-D is L-O-V-E. Now I came across an article on the internet and it is this, 10 things you should know about the love of God. It was written by Gary J. Williams as a contribution on crosswalk.com. And um, one of the first things um, Gary says we should know about God's love is this, God's love is incomprehensible. Truly, God's love is incomprehensible. Anytime I think about the incomprehensibility of God's love, it is from, I look at, I, I, I tend to think about the, 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 the prophet Hosea and how God uses his life to, to show us how much he loves us. If you haven't read, heard about prophet Hosea, please pick your Bible and go to the book of Hosea. It's in the Old Testament. And you see how God asked um, the prophet to marry a prostitute. Yes, you heard me right. He married this prostitute. He, she, she lived with him for a while, had his child for him, and she went back to her prostitution. God asked him to bring her back like three times. Like Oh, and God said that that depicts his love for the nation of Israel. And like I always tell us here, we are adopted. I am an Israelite. Thank you by adoption. So that is how much God loves us. So um, God's love is incomprehensible. And Gary writes here that no human mind can comprehend God. We cannot define God. We cannot provide a comprehensive account of who he is. He dwells in in unapproachable light. That is seen in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 16. Now if God is incomprehensible, then so is his love. While we may and must speak truthfully about his love, we can never fathom it because it is divine love. As different from our love as his being is different from our being. Now I'd like to point out here that when it comes to dealing with humans, when, when, when humans tell you they love you, there may be strings attached to that kind of love. But with God, God's love, there are no strings attached to it. God, God just loves us. He doesn't love us because we loved him first. It is impossible. <laughs> he loves us because he loves us. And it is that love we are reciprocating now. And it is simply because he has loved us that we love him back. So that love is a kind of love we cannot understand. Hmm. Secondly, Gary tells us that God's love can be known. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree. He says we cannot define God in the sense of delimiting um, exhaustively who he is. But we can nonetheless describe him truthfully. We can do so because he has made himself known to us in his word. And he opens our eyes to that word by his spirit. So Gary is simply telling us that God's love can be known. How? His, his love is seen in his word. And when, when you study the word... And you are in tune with his spirit. When you let him fill you up with his spirit, then you will know the love of God. How is that possible? Now he continues. How is that possible given the divine difference? It is possible because God makes himself known to us in creaturely reality. He takes up the things he has made and uses them to describe himself to us. Thus, he is a lion, a rock, a fire. Sorry. Thus he is a lion, a rock, fire, even moss and dry rot. Look it up in the Bible. God describes himself as a, a God uses a lot of um, 
created things, things he has created to describe himself. Now, the third thing Gary says is that God is known by analogy. When God uses created things like lions to speak about himself in the Bible, he is speaking analogically. This means that the things he uses to describe himself are neither identical with him nor utterly different from him. He is a rock, for example, not because he is made of stone. When he says rock of himself, we are not to map all the rockiness of a rock onto him point for point, but nor are we to think that he is... He is entirely unrocky. <laughs> I hope we are seeing the play with words here. Nor are we to think that he is entirely unrocky, discontinuous in every way with rocks. When he says that he is a rock, he means some of what we mean when we say that a rock is a rock. He is not made of stone, but he is solid and reliable. How is it possible for created things to image God for us like this? It is possible precisely because he created them. It is as if his fingerprints are left on the things he has made, so that each of them contains a pale reflection of some of his divine attributes. Our falling minds cannot piece together a picture of God from what he has made. Indeed, we suppress his natural revelation. But in his inspired word, he himself can use those things to describe himself, and then he can illuminate our minds to understand and believe those descriptions. This all applies to God's love. When we read God is love, we know something of what love is from what he has made. But his love is never to be identified point for point with any created love that we already know. Now I'm going to stop here and I'm going to read another quote I I came across by Brennan Manning and it says we should be astonished at the goodness of God stunned that he should bother to call us by name our mouths wide open at his love, bewildered that at this very moment we are standing on holy ground Mm mm-hmm I think this quote gets to me in some way. I'll take it again. It is by Brennan Manning. And it goes, we should be astonished at the goodness of God. Yes, like I read from the beginning of today's talk, from Psalm 96 and verse uh, 97. We should, we should consider that God. We should, we should, we should, we, sorry, we should be in awe of. You know, we should be astonished at his goodness. We should be stunned that he should bother to call us by name. Our mouth should hang wide open at his love. Bewildered that at this very moment, we are standing on holy ground. Why? Because, because he lives in us. And so, wherever he is, is holy. Oh Lord, I, I, are we getting what I'm trying to say? This, this quote by, by, by Brennan Manning really got to me. Mm. Let me, let me take a fourth thing that we should know about God's love. And, and here, Gary, Gary mentioned the fourth thing that the pictures of God in the Bible regulate themselves, including pictures of his love. A pressing question then arises. How do we know which aspects of each picture that God draws of himself we are to apply to him and which we are not? How do we know that we are not to infer that his love might ebb and flow as human love can, even that it might feel? This may seem obvious to us, but that is only because we have to some extent already learned how to read the Bible properly and not just that because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
What, when we stop and think about it, is the reason that we do not infer this. The reason is that other ways in which God describes himself prevent us doing so. For example, his repeated self-description as a covenant-keeping God. <laughs> oh, Lord, I love you, Lord. He says, as a, God has described himself as a covenant-keeping God. So when he says something, the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. So when God says he loves you, be rest assured that he loves you. I continue. His repeated self-description as a covenant-keeping God who makes solemn oaths to his people. The Bible is a self-interpreting book. What it says in one part shows us how we are to read another part. In its many pictures of God form a self-interpreting mesh of images and that includes its pictures of his love. I don't know if anyone is getting excited as I am this evening. God is love and guess what? He loves me. Why don't you be excited about that this evening? We'll be going on our second music break and trust me, it is, it is, it is time for us to dance. I, I, I don't know about you. Maybe it's not your kind of song, but this is third day and they are singing your love is like a river. Oh, okay. Let me not bore you people with this, my voice. <laughs>
all my strength and hope is gone. Your love is like a rock that I am standing on. Welcome back from that music break. That was third day singing. Your love is like a river. God's love is it's like a river. It flows towards us. It doesn't cease. God's love is like a river. God wraps us in his love and he makes us to enjoy the fullness of his love. If you are just joining us, this is Time Out with Zara on your number one online gospel radio, KR8 Radio. And we are bringing Jesus to your world. Jesus, not just to your world, but to the world. Now, um, we have been talking l'amour in French. <laughs> but in English, it simply means love. And most, more specifically, God's love. God's love is so, so amazing. And we have said so much about his love on the, sh- on, on today's episode already. And we were looking at 10 truths about God's love written by, um, written by a Gary, a Gary J. Williams for crosswalk.com. And we have mentioned so many things, so many truths already about God's love. We've mentioned four and we've said a lot already. And now five, he goes, we quickly leap to the wrong conclusions about God's love. Yes. You know, some people really do not believe God's love. They do, they, they, they find it difficult to believe that kind of love. But here is what Gary says. We are often less alert to the ways in which the love language is to be interpreted in the light of God's other descriptions of himself. This comes out very clearly when someone says something like, if I were a God of love, then I dash, dash, dash. The reason that follows, the reasoning that follows is usually on untethered from God's wider portrayal of himself in scripture. When we do this, God becomes in effect just a massive projection of our own selves. A shadow cast onto a screen behind us with all of our own features magnified and exaggerated. Whereas it may be immediately obvious to us that God will not decide to stop loving us for some reason. It is less obvious that his love is different from our love in other ways, such as in being self-sufficient, sovereign, unchanging, all-knowing, just and and passionless yes, rightly understood so do not ever sit down and, and try to how do I put this? Do not try to look at God's love through your own eyes look at God's love through through his word 
and 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 it will be clear to you. Number six says God's love must be read within the rest of what scripture teaches about his divine attributes. We are not free to pick up the ball of God is love and run with it wherever we will. The statement must remain tethered within its immediate context in 1 John 4, within the broader context of John's writing, and within the ultimate context of God's entire self-description in scripture. The local context immediately reminds us in verse 10 of the connection between love and propitiation, which requires that we understand God's love alongside his justice and wrath. The ultimate context of scripture will bring alongside his love all of the other attributes of God. Together they will form a self-regulating mesh of meaning. Number seven, God's love must be read especially within what scripture teaches about his triune life. Further, the wider context in John's writings will repeatedly connect the love of God to his triune life. John delights to write of the father's love for the son and the son's love for the father. He even records the Lord Jesus saying that the father loves him because he lays down his life. That is in John 10, 17. Love is not unique for being a Trinitarian attribute. All the attributes of God are the attributes of the one God who is three persons. But we must never miss the Trinitarian character of the love of God. Number eight, reading God's love in its wider context keeps us from error. Love is perhaps the most obvious attribute for consideration from a Trinitarian perspective, but we more readily observe that than grasp the theological consequences of it. What a difference it will make if, for example, we recall that the love of God is rooted in the Father's love for His Son and His resulting will to see the Son honored. Then we will not infer from God His love that He easily overlooks sin. Yes! And just like Paul said in, in this is me now, in, in, in scripture, Paul said, do we continue to sin that grace may abound? You know how we, 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 we like to, to take scriptures that, that suit our purpose. And Paul had been saying a lot before that. He said, God forbid. We should not take grace for granted. Now, what we, that is what we do with the love of God. But Gary here is telling us that we should read God's love in its wider context so that we can keep away from error. Just because God loves us so much does not mean that he will overlook sin. Now, I continue. Um, then we will not infer from God's love that he easily overlooks sin because we will grasp that Christ dishonoring sin is in itself an offense against the very heart of God's love. From God's love for his son will follow his wrath against sinners. It is only when we read the love of God like this that we will be prevented from reaching false conclusions from it by making our own natural minds the context in which we interpret it. Thank you, sir. Nine, understanding the different manner of God's love helps us to see it immeasurable magnitude. The consideration of the love of God in its proper biblical context is not an exercise in abstraction of interest only to obscurantist systematic theologians. Big, big grammar, don't worry. <laughs> it may be easier just to think God is love and to fill that statement with whatever our minds suggest. Certainly, it requires less mental effort just to less let our own minds generate our theology rather than to subject them to the disciplined study of God's self-revelation in scripture. But at the end of the day, a God who is little more than a projection of my own mind can never satisfy me. Worshipping such a God will be like being locked in a room with only myself as a, as company. A kind
kind of theological solitary confinement, a terrible narcissistic solipsism, and ultimately a form of self-worshipping idolatry akin in some ways to hell itself. There is no satisfaction on this road, only bitter disappointment. It is meditation on the authoritative self-revelation of God in its fullness that will bring rest for our souls, the rest of finding in Him one who infinitely exceeds our own puny finitude, one whose delights can never be exhausted. Hmm. Plenty English here, but the bottom line is when we understand the different manner of God's love, it helps us to see that God's love is very great. And like Gary puts it, he says, we'll see its immeasurable magnitude. Now, God's love truly perceived, that's the last one. God's love truly perceived always draws out from us a response of love. And I, I leave it here because the truth of the matter is we love him because he first loved us. Now, I'll be going to the third um quote that got to me as I was preparing for this and it is a quote by Shannon L. Alder and it goes there will always be someone willing to hurt you put you down, gossip about you belittle your accomplishments and judge your soul. It is a fact we all must face. However if we realize that God is a best friend that stands beside you when others cast stones you will never be afraid, never feel worthless and never feel alone. So I think we should begin to enjoy being loved by God. We should begin to enjoy being the object of God's love because this is what his love for us does. It makes us not to be afraid. His love makes us never to feel, we will never feel worthless with God's love and we will never feel alone with God's love. Ah, I think I have said, I have said enough already <laughs> and we'll be We'll be, we'll be, we'll be signing out. I will be signing out for today. And before, before, before I do, I'll be leaving you with a song, a song for us to dance through too. And it is all the way by Steve Crown. And this is all I'm trying to simply tell you. I am going all the way with Jesus. I am going all the way with this God. I will serve him to the end. So Steve Crown is singing all the way. I'll be leaving you with that, but not before I say a big thank you to my listeners. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you for taking out your time and thank you for using your data to listen to Time Out with Zara all the time to, to, to tune in to Red Radio, to Olua Drama and the crew. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for your sacrifices. Thank you for the things you do that keep our voices going out and keeps the world hearing about Jesus. The Lord bless you. Yet again, I'll never get tired of saying this. And for me, as I sign out. This is me praying for you.